0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Know the history podcast that's not your history class, listen wherever you get your podcasts. On the morning of January 15th, 1947, a mother out for a 10 o'clock stroll with her three-year-old daughter on the streets of Los Angeles' Limert Park neighborhood noticed something unusual. There was something lying in one of the developing community's vacant lots. At first, she thought it was a mannequin, but when she got closer, she realized that it was the corpse of a young woman, cut in half at the torso. She rushed to the nearest house to call the police, and the investigation into what's still Los Angeles' oldest unsolved murder began. The victim's name was Elizabeth Short, but she would quickly be immortalized as the Black Dahlia. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting's assistant editor, Megan Lizcomb, and today I'll be talking about the ongoing mystery of the Black Dahlia murder. Please note that this episode contains graphic descriptions of violence and gore. Just after the body was found, investigators rushed to the scene to see the corpse cut in two at the waist, with short's upper and lower halves placed about a foot apart. The dismemberment was consistent with a surgical procedure called hemicorporectomy, in which the body is sliced below the lumbar spine. The body was completely drained of blood, but no blood was found at the scene leaving the LAPD to believe she had been murdered elsewhere before she was dumped in Limert Park. They also determined that she had likely been dead for around 10 hours, putting her time of death somewhere in the late night hours of January 14th or in the early morning of the 15th. Her skin looked pasty white and her body seemed to have been posed, arms bent at 90 degrees above her head and her legs spread apart. The killer had also slashed open her face from the corners of her mouth to her ears, giving the eerie impression of a Joker-like smile. The killer removed her intestines and her uterus and carefully tucked them underneath her buttocks. Her body had been cleaned off with gasoline, and there were several cuts on her thighs and breasts where parts of her flesh had been removed. Near her body, detectives noted a heel print and a cement sack with traces of blood that had presumably been used to transport her body from the crime scene to the vacant lot. The autopsy performed on January 16th found feces in her stomach that she was likely forced to eat before she died. There were ligature marks on her wrists and neck and she appeared to have been raped, though no traces of semen were found. The autopsy also determined that she had died from a cerebral hemorrhage after being struck on her head. Investigators were able to identify the victim as 22-year-old Elizabeth Short from her fingerprints, which were on file from her 1943 arrest for underage drinking. But when the gruesome details of the murder found their way into the press— She was given the nickname that remains to this day, the black dog. Before her body was found, Short was last seen on January 9th. A police bulletin seeking information on her whereabouts during her missing final week, described her as very attractive, but with bad lower teeth and fingernails chewed to the quick. She was last seen wearing a mundane black tailored suit, which sensational newspaper accounts later transformed into a sheer blouse with a tight skirt. According to the headlines splashed across newspapers nationwide after her murder, the Black Dahlia was a real life femme fatale killed by a sex fiend in a date gone wrong. One report read, This victim knew at least 50 men at the time of her death, and at least 25 men had been seen with her in the 60 days preceding her death. She was known as a teaser of men. They called her an adventuress who prowled Hollywood Boulevard. There were false rumors that she was a prostitute, while others claimed that she loved to tease men because she was a lesbian. And, of course, in the 1940s, all of these labels carried with them the implication that she was a deviant who had it coming. The papers reported that she preferred to wear seductive sheer black clothing and dubbed her the Black Dahlia after the film noir The Blue Dahlia, a Veronica Lake picture that was popular at the time. Short had reportedly been an aspiring actress herself. She lived in Los Angeles waiting tables for just six months before her death, and her headshot showed a pretty young woman with pale eyes and wild, dark curls. Sadly, she had no known acting jobs, and her grisly killing became her one claim to fame. So, not only did Elizabeth Short likely suffer horrific torture before her brutal death and dismemberment, but her loved ones also had to see her painted in the press with a glaringly misogynistic brush. Her mother, Phoebe Short, didn't even learn of her daughter's death until reporters from The Hollywood Examiner telephoned her, pretending that Elizabeth had won a beauty contest. They pumped her for all the details they could get on Elizabeth, and even had her flown out from Massachusetts to California before revealing the terrible truth. Her daughter was dead, and her corpse had been dismembered in unspeakable ways. Though the press was quick to capitalize on their sensationalized version of Elizabeth Short's story, they also played a key role in the early investigation of her case. While the police scrambled to chase down Leeds, Someone claiming to be the Black Dahlia's killer taunted the Los Angeles Examiner. It started with a phone call on January 21st. A man claiming to be the murderer called the Examiner's editor, James Richardson, to congratulate him on selling so many papers with the Black Dahlia on the front page. He said that he would turn himself in soon, but first he wanted to let the police hunt him a little longer. Then he said to, quote, expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. True to his word, a package turned up on the 24th. It contained Elizabeth Short's birth certificate and business cards, some photographs, and an address book belonging to a man named Mark Hansen. Like her body, all of these items had been wiped down with gasoline, leaving no fingerprints behind. Though a partial fingerprint was found on the envelope, it was damaged in transport and never analyzed. On January 26th, another letter arrived. This handwritten note read, Here it is, turning in Wednesday, January 29th, 10 a.m. Had my fun at police, Black Dahlia Avenger. The letter included a location. Police waited at the appointed time and place but the supposed killer never showed. On January 30th, he sent a note made of letters cut and pasted from magazines to the examiner that said, Have changed my mind. You would not give me a square deal. Dahlia killing was justified. Another paper, the Herald Express, also received cut and paste notes from someone claiming to be the killer. One of these read, I will give up on Dahlia killing if I get 10 years. Don't try to find me. Meanwhile, the LAPD had 750 investigators on the case and interviewed more than 150 men in connection with the Black Dahlia killing. Officers heard more than 60 confessions during this period, but none of them were considered legitimate. And as the weeks dragged on, the case went cold. There's no doubt in my mind that my father, Dr. George Hill Hodell was in fact the killer. The truth is he was a sadist and a misogynist of the highest order. Although Elizabeth Short's murder has never been officially solved, true crime fans and amateur sleuths have no shortage of theories. And a couple of them are quite convincing. First, we have retired LAPD detective Steve Hodell, who thinks his own father killed Elizabeth Short and possibly many other women too in 1999 hodel was sorting through some of his deceased father's belongings when he came across two photographs of a woman who looked a lot like elizabeth short haunted by these images he turned his investigative lens on his dad with unsettling results he researched the case using newspaper archives from 1947 and even used a Freedom of Information Act request to obtain the FBI files on the Black Dahlia case. He also hired a handwriting analysis expert to compare his father's handwriting with the handwritten note that had been sent to the examiner. The expert found there was a strong possibility that his father had indeed written that note, but the results weren't totally conclusive. Still, Steve Hodell kept digging. Remember how Elizabeth Short's body had been dismembered in a way that was consistent with hemicorporectomy? That procedure was taught in medical schools in the 1930s, and his father, George Hodel, had been a physician who would have been trained in that surgery. Next, Hodel searched his father's archive at UCLA and found a receipt for a bag of concrete, the same size and brand found by Short's body, dated just a few days before the killing. In 2003, Hodel compiled his evidence into a book called Black Dahlia Avenger, The True Story. And when Los Angeles Times columnist Steve Lopez fact-checked the book, he uncovered another bombshell. Lopez requested the LAPD files on the case, and found that George Hodell had actually been among their top six suspects in the weeks after the murder. The police had even gone so far as bugging his home in 1950, three years after the killing, in an attempt to gather evidence against him. Most of the audio was quite innocuous, but one chilling evening stood out. Around 8.30 one night, a woman could be heard screaming twice, but she made no other sounds before or after. Later on, Hodell made a phone call, during which he said, Supposin' I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. Steve Hodell is now convinced that his father not only killed Elizabeth Short, but likely also murdered his secretary too. He's also gathered information on dozens of other murders from that time, which he believes his father may have been responsible for. Hodel's research has even garnered some attention from law enforcement. In 2001, Los Angeles County Assistant District Attorney Stephen Kaye reviewed the file and said that if George Hodel was still alive, he would have enough to charge him with the murder. Though Steve Hodell's theory is quite convincing, there's another version of events that could explain the horrific murder. In 2017, author Pew Eatwell released a book, Black Dahlia, Red Rose, the crime, corruption, and cover-up of America's greatest unsolved murder, that laid out her theory. According to Eatwell, A man named Leslie Dillon had killed Elizabeth Short on orders from Mark Hansen, the man whose address book was sent to the examiner along with Short's birth certificate. For his part, Hansen denied having anything to do with the murder and said he had regifted the address book with his name on the cover to Short. Mark Hansen owned a nightclub and a movie theater in Los Angeles, and Elizabeth Short had stayed over at his place on several occasions. He was also one of the last known people to talk with Short in a phone call on January 8th. According to the Los Angeles District Attorney's Files, Short had rejected Hanson's sexual advances, which was his motive according to Eatwell. She believes that Hanson asked his acquaintance, Leslie Dillon, a bellboy who had previously worked as a mortician's assistant to quote, take care of Short. In fact, police briefly considered Leslie Dillon as a prime suspect in the case. With his work experience with the mortician, Dillon would certainly have known how to drain a body of blood. Plus, in interviews with police detectives, Dillon revealed that he knew details of the case that weren't released to the public. For example, Dillon knew that Elizabeth Short had had a tattoo of a rose on her thigh that had been cut from her flesh. Dylan had also claimed to be an aspiring crime writer and said he was working on a book about the case that never materialized. And although police seriously considered him as a suspect, he was ultimately never charged. Eatwell believes that Hansen used his ties to officers in the LAPD to cover up the crime and get his friend off the hook. And what's more, she thinks she also discovered the location of the crime scene. While researching her book, Eatwell uncovered a report from the owner of the Astor Motel, Henry Hoffman. The Astor was a 10-cabin motel just off the 110 freeway. On the morning of January 15, 1947, Hoffman reported finding one of his cabins full of blood and fecal matter. In another cabin, he found a bundle of women's clothing wrapped in brown paper and stained with blood. But instead of holding on to this evidence or reporting a crime, Hoffman simply cleaned it up. He'd been arrested himself for beating his wife just four days prior and didn't want to chance another run-in with the law. Now, more than 70 years after Elizabeth Short was murdered, her case remains open. However, most of the original witnesses and investigators are dead. Her killer is most likely dead too, yet the fascination with the case lives on. Certainly part of what draws us back to this murder time and again are the confounding and brutal details of the condition in which her body was found. It's hard to imagine what kind of human being would even be capable of carrying out such extreme acts of violence. Plus, the sensational press coverage of the case still clings to the story, creating a kind of mythology in which short sexual appeal and supposed lascivious behavior loom large. And then we have the puzzle-like appeal that comes with many unsolved murder cases. Each time you look at the case anew, it seems like there's a chance that all the pieces just might finally fit together. But in all of this, the one thing that's often overlooked is Elizabeth Short herself, who she really was, how she spent her final week, and the secrets of her last horrible hours on Earth are largely lost to us. But here's what we do know about the real Elizabeth Short. She was born in 1924 in Boston. Her father built mini golf courses, But after the stock market crash of 1929, he faked a suicide and ran away to California, leaving Elizabeth's mother to care for her five daughters on her own. The family lived in a tiny apartment on her mother's modest bookkeeper's salary. Elizabeth was a sickly child, suffering from chronic bronchitis and asthma. She had surgery on her lungs when she was 15, and in the winters, her mother sent her to stay with relatives in Florida as the cold New England weather didn't help her condition. In 1942, when Elizabeth was 18, her mother got a letter from her father apologizing for faking his death. Soon after, Elizabeth took off for California to live with him, but it didn't last long. After frequent arguments, she left her father's house in 1943 and spent the next several years bouncing around between California and Florida. She had a relationship with a decorated Air Force officer, Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr. He proposed to her in a letter while he was deployed, and she accepted. But tragically, he died in a plane crash on August 10, 1945, just days before Japan's surrender would bring World War II to an end. Finally, in July 1946, she wound up in Los Angeles. She rented a room near Mark Hansen's Hollywood Boulevard nightclub and got a job waiting tables. She was just 22. She'd already had a hard life, yet she still had big dreams of becoming a star. After all, she was young, and she should have had many decades ahead of her. But thanks to an unknown killer, we'll never be able to solve the mystery of who Elizabeth Short might have become. Thanks for listening to History Uncovered. I'm History Uncovered's producer, Kit Westneat. If you like the show, help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to follow the All That's Interesting and History Revealed pages on Facebook and Real History Uncovered on Instagram. Make sure you don't miss out on the new episodes and subscribe to the History Uncovered podcast. And keep up with our latest stories at allthatsinteresting.com. If you have a question about the show or just want to say hi, feel free to call us at 929-526-3029 or email us at podcast at allthisinteresting.com. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Legends of the Old West and Redacted History. Until next time, keep exploring. What's something you learned in history class that you feel like wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. My name is Andre White the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.